How are you doing? My name is Christopher Brown, host of the podcast Sports Talk with Chris, and you're now tuning in to my newest episode. Sit back, relax, enjoy, and have a great day. Hello, everybody. I hope you have a great rest of the day. You know, and if you listen to this the next day, I hope you have a great day as well. I just hope everybody's doing great, man. On this episode, this is my NBA Finals recap. I'm going to talk about everything NBA Finals, you know, not to give too many spoilers, but some things I'm going to be talking about in this episode. If you already didn't look at the description is, you know, recap some of the games, recap this entire series, talk about some of the players, you know, talk about the future for some of these teams, you know, what I saw during the finals. It's a lot I'm going to be talking about, but I'm going to, you know, try not to take up too much of your time, make this about an hour or so. So let's get right into it, man. I'm going to come out and say I picked the Suns to win this series. I picked the Suns to win this series in seven games. I did. I had a lot of faith in the Suns. And honestly, looking back, they could have won this series in five games. I'm going to get into it, but they could have won this series in five. They had every opportunity to be successful, and they blew it. But, yes, you know, I was a person that picked the Suns. I was wrong. Glad I did not bet any money because I would have been furious I'll be honest, I really didn't bet any money after my Sixers lost. There are some bums. There are some bums. But, yeah, I really thought the Suns could have – I picked them to win. I thought they could have won in five, you know. They had every opportunity to win. They were up 2-0, and it was just like I I didn't see the same team after that. I'm going to talk about that, you know, a little bit later. But one thing I want to talk about real quick, because I've been seeing this a lot on Twitter, is about the viewership at NBA Finals. Now, this year, the viewership went up from last year. You know, it's a couple of different factors into that. You know, I look at it and I say this. The viewership has been down the past, these last two finals. You could say COVID's, you know, a reason. Because both finals, you know, both seasons were affected by COVID. But one thing about, you know, that I say about this series that I love so much, there was no favorite. There was no overwhelming favorite like it was when it was the Lakers and the Heat. Or like it was when it was the Cavs versus the uh, Warriors in 2018. You know, there, there was no overwhelming favorite. To me, it was even. Both teams were really even, in my opinion. When I talked to, you know, a lot of people and I put polls out on my social media, it was really 50-50. It was really 50-50 on who people thought was going to win the finals. And so I feel like that, you know, might have had a reason, you know, in my eyes. But I say this, though. Casual viewership means everything. Casuals, casual fans take up at least 65% of businesses. The casual fan, the, oh, let me see what's going on. You're going to get your diehard fans that want to watch this series because, you know, Pat, guys like Pat Connaughton, guys like PJ Tucker, guys like Drake, uh, Jay Crowder, guys like Michael Bridges, guys like Brooke Lopez, guys like Drew Holiday. But the casual fan is looking to see what Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Giannis is doing. They're looking to see these big names. And you're not talking about the small market and how I'm glad that these small market teams are being put, you know, are being able to be so successful now and they're making their way to the finals. But there's not a lot of casual fans when it comes to the small market team. And I'm going to talk about a little bit later with my Giannis theory, but I'm going to save that to the end. But, you know, just real quick to talk about viewership, man. If you really go out and do your research, it's been down. And some of the worst, you know, numbers some of the worst ratings in the last 20 years like i give it to you like this the closeout game for this year's finals 
12.52 million viewers. Last year finals, 8.29 uh, million viewers. The closeout game for the 2016 finals was 31 million viewers. You see the difference? And I, and like, it was good basketball being played in this finals, even last year's finals. It was great basketball being played. And so, you know, as a diehard fan, I scratch my head on why the numbers are down. But then I realized that, you know, casuals make up for everything. And so I just want to talk about that real quick because I saw a lot of people talking about viewership and saying, oh, this finals is whack, you know, but it was great basketball. I just got to understand that the casuals wanted to see a LeBron James in the finals. The casuals wanted to see a Joel and no, they didn't. I lied. They wanted to see a Kevin Durant in the finals, man. <sighs> Let me not turn this into a six or sob story, but let's get right into the, you know, some of my, you know, breakdowns of these games. Like I said earlier, I thought the Suns were going to win in seven and watching the first, you know, you know, watching the entire series and really watching the first couple of games. I thought they could have won in five, you know, but I did say this when my original prediction saying it would go seven. I said that the home team is probably going to win their first two games. And that's how it went. It was tied, you know, two, two, you know, four games. And, I, you know, everybody knows that a series does not start until the road team wins the game. And so, in my opinion. Me picking the Suns and me watching how the games were unfolded, I'm I'm looking at game four and I'm saying, okay, this is game four. The Suns, this is a must-win game because if any the guys and the people that have been listening to me, you know, all my viewers that's been listening to me throughout the playoff run this year and last year, when you're up 2-1 and you have home court advantage, you're up 2-1, you're playing game four on the road. My opinion, that is a every game is a must-win game in the playoffs, but that is a must-win scenario because if you win that game, they're up 3-1, and the next game is at home. You have all the confidence. You have all the momentum. So I'm watching our sons, and I'm looking at them being in the game, in the game, and I'm saying, okay, you win this game, you win this series, but they folded. When I think about the Suns in this series, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, they did not take advantage of the opportunities in front of them. You win that game. You win the home because you once you have the momentum, it plays a difference. You're up 3-1. You're going back to Phoenix. How amazing those fans have been. There's no doubt in my mind that Devin Booker, like he already did, is having a big game, like Chris Paul is having a big game. You know, you have momentum, you know, you're more than likely going to get those 50-50 balls. You know, players are playing better than what they should be. Everything is just different when the momentum is on your side. And when they lost that game, I knew that I knew it was going to be like game five, whoever won that series. And you can look at the statistic. It's like, you know, a big statistic. But whoever wins really that game five when it's tied up 2-2, more than likely goes on to win the entire series. And so going to game five, right? Game five was an amazing game. You know, final box score for everybody. Just see how amazing it was. You had 42 from Devin Booker, you know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute. I forgot to mention something. I forgot to mention something. I just want to give a shout out to Malika Andrews. Sideline reporter at the NBA Finals. She was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. Asked the right questions, the questions that the fans wanted to hear, the question that basketball fans wanted to hear. She did her job well, man. You know, shout out to her. You know, I'm not mistaken, but that was her first time doing that in NBA Finals. She did a hell of a job. I would love to see her doing something like that more. I would love to see her, you know, with a bigger platform because she is amazing at what she does. But 
back to game five, Devin Booker gave you 40 points. You got 20 from DeAndre Ian. You got two threes from Crowder, which you you know you expect from him. You got you know three threes from Michael Bridges. You know, Chris Paul gave you 21 and 11. Only had one turnover. I'm gonna talk about him a little bit later. You had uh your bench. The performance from the bench in this game, you know, it it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough compared really to what the Suns are getting from two players. I mean, from the Bucks are getting from two players. You know, and Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis, those guys combined hit six threes. Hit six threes, you know. Two guys outscored three. You only got six from Payne. You know, he only played 14 minutes. You only got six from uh, Camp Johnson. He gave you 22 minutes. You got three from Craig in about nine minutes. And I'm going to talk about the Suns bench a little bit later, but that really hurt them. You know, in this game, and I look at the Bucks. You got 27 and 13 from Drew Holiday, three big steals, 29 points from Middleton, 32. You know, from Giannis, and you got nine off the bench from Portis, give you two threes, and Connaughton was four for six from the three-point line, giving you 14 points. Now, this game came down to the wire, and we all, you know, remember the infamous steal, Drew uh, Holiday rips. And this is why I love Drew Holiday. And I've been saying, if you've been listening to my podcast, he's I've been saying this since I started. And I've been saying this for a while because he's a former Sixers. Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players. And the, no, he was the most underrated player in the NBA until he got on the Bucks and showed people in the finals what his value is. Shot, you know, he was inconsistent on offense, but never inconsistent on that defensive end. In this game, he was the best two-way player out there. He did his job. You know, and I thought he was just going to hold the ball. That was a gutsy play, throwing that up to Giannis. And real quick, let me know your guys' thoughts and opinions on this. I'm going to make sure I post a clip on my social media. Was that foul by Chris Paul dirty? Because I talked, to, you know, about this with some people, you know, some of the guys I do podcasts with. And it's just like, he didn't go for the ball. Giannis is already in the air. What is the point of fouling? In my mind... This is why I don't understand, and, you know, shout out to my dad. We used to go to Sixers games, you know, when I, you know, I had season tickets. And when we would talk about it, watching the game, it's like, if you're going to foul somebody, make sure you foul them and they can't put up the shot. That's the only way I'm fouling. I'm not getting that ticky-tack foul and the guy is still able to go up for two. And so when I'm looking at Chris Paul hawking down Giannis, I'm thinking to myself, unless you grab him before he jumps, you're not going to, you're not going to jump up with him. And so once Giannis damn near already dunked it, I just don't understand the mindset of Chris Paul because if Giannis doesn't hold on right there, he lets go, he's injured. But everybody thinks Chris Paul is just this nice player that does everything by the book. But we're not going to get into that until a little bit later. But, yeah, this was an amazing game that came down to the wire. And, I, you know, after this game, there were a couple of thoughts in my mind. One, the Bucks have all the momentum, so you know what that means. And I, like I said earlier, whoever wins game five, more than likely wins the series. And if you have a closeout game at home, that's why I wanted the Suns to win, you know, that game four. Because then you're going to game five and you're able to close it out at home. I don't think people understand the value of playing a closeout game at home, especially in the finals. You're just you more pumped up, makes you play better. The fans are behind you. Like momentum and the crowd, it, it, it affects your spirit. It makes you want to go out there and play 10 times better than what you really are. You know, but after this game, I had a feeling it was, I, I did say, I came out and said it was over. 
after this game, I came out and said it was over because, again, the Suns had every opportunity to be successful, but they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. And so in my mind, a team that did not win on the road just yet in this series, in my mind, I'm saying, okay, this young team has to win a road game. They got inexperienced guys. They got an inexperienced leader. I don't know if I trust them on the road to do what it takes. That was my mindset. I did not trust the Phoenix Suns team in game six. And when game six started, I'm looking at some of the players. I'm like, oh, Lord, it's not looking good. I'm looking at DeAndre Ayton, a guy that has been, you know, probably the most consistent player on this team throughout the entire playoff run. And he just looks scared from the get-go. He looked scared from the get-go. He was 4 for 12. He'd never shot this bad throughout the entire, you know, playoff run. I believe he was shooting above 60%. He just looked scared. I look at Crowder. And here's one thing about Jay Crowder that I love. Jay Crowder is the ultimate two-way player. You know, I don't call him a 3 and D guy because his three ball can be off. Like in game six, he was 2 for 9. He was 4 for 11. From the field, but he gave you 13 rebounds, he gave you four steals, and he still somehow managed to give you 15 points. That's why I like Jay Crowder, and I love what he brings to a team. Michael Bridges, look, another young guy. Minus 18 when it comes to the plus minus. Only had four points. D-Book, I love D-Book. He was over 7 from the 3 for line. 19 points. Chris Paul gave you 26. It wasn't enough. Off the bench, you got, you know, 10 from Payne, you know, 6 from Kaminsky, 3 from Cam Johnson. But you got 16 from Bobby Portis by himself. I look at what else Milwaukee did. And you know, and I say this. I'm going to talk about Giannis a lot. Giannis might have had, in my opinion, the greatest closeout game. No, no, no. Let me not say that. One of the greatest closeout games I've ever witnessed. Also had, I think in my eyes, a top 10 performance that I've ever seen. And it's hard to say that because, again, I had season tickets to the 76ers. And I saw... The greatest show at the time, and Odd Iverson do a lot of great things. But having 50 points, not only an NBA Finals game, but a must-win closeout game. He went 17 for 19, 89% from the free throw line. He also gave you 14 rebounds and five blocks. You know, when I was talking to one of my friends, shout out to my guy Buck, you know, get well soon. I said, Giannis is due for a 50-piece. Giannis is due for a 50-piece. It was just too easy for him. Deion, like, and I laugh when players, you know, when I talk about, you know, the NBA with people and they talk about, oh, you know, he can't stop somebody. He can't do this. Giannis, yes, he was gifted with the height and the length, but he worked on that muscle. Giannis came into the league as a slim gem. Go look it up. He came into this league as a slim gym. We all see the viral pictures, and then you see him as a rookie trying to lift weights, and you see him, you know, a couple years, a couple years ago, and he's all husky. And imagine what he is now. He worked to get that muscle. So in my eyes, there's no excuse for a guy like DeAndre Ayton to get babied the way he did. A guy, you know, Jay Crowder, you know, more DeAndre Ayton because he's seven foot. But you know, Frank Kaminsky for these guys to get babied the way they do. People's like, oh, Giannis is strong. Then work on it. You know, like, people act like it's hard to get strong. I was damn near benching 400 pounds at 17 years old. It's not hard to get strong. And I didn't have the luxury to be able to lift all throughout the day. I didn't have luxury to have professional trainers with me. 
I was just working on my high school coaches. Squatting 500 pounds at 17. Deadlifting almost 500 pounds at 17. So you can work on strength. And so when I look at, when I say Giannis is due for a 50, you know, 50 piece, because I look at the Suns and I say, oh, nobody's. Once I saw, I believe it was game one, too, and Giannis was still working his way back. How he was able just to push DeAndre Aiden so easily. That wasn't a good sign. And so I knew Giannis was due for a 50 piece. Man, this game six, again. One of the best game, you know, one of the best games as an individual player to end out a series. Giannis was doing his thing, and then I look at Drew Holiday, and I talk about how he was inconsistent sometimes with offense. He only had twelve points. He was four for nineteen, but he gave you nine rebounds, eleven assists, and four steals. Chris Middleton, one for four from the three point line, but he gave you four steals. I mean, listen. This Milwaukee team, and I'm going to give them their credit, they took care of business. And so, yes, the Milwaukee, you know, as you know, the Milwaukee Bucks NBA champions, they had their parade. And the question, you know, I've been getting asked, did the Bucks win or did the Suns lose? Now, after careful consideration of talking about, you know, my guy, shout out my guy Cam, the Bucks won. Bucks won. You know, at first, I feel like the Suns lost because, again, they had every opportunity to win this series in five games. You were up 2-0. Really, they could have won in four, but you were up 2-0. Fine. You go into game three. Devin Booker, he's having an off night. But you still find yourself down nine in the fourth quarter. But nobody's able to get any offense going. I look at game four. You folded. Down the stretch. Chris Paul was nowhere to be found. Right? Let's say you still lose game three because your guy Devin didn't have a good game. But game four, Devin gave you 40. He gave you 40. You need to win that. Then game five at home, he gives you another 40 ball. You lose again. Suns should have won in five. So in my mind, at first, I'm saying, man, the Suns blew every single opportunity given to them. But now when I sit back here and, you know, think about it, I say, man, the Bucks won this series because they made their own opportunities and they took advantage of them. Drew Holiday made his opportunity. He took the ball from Devin Booker. Then he threw the lob to Giannis. Drew Holiday playing great defense. Turning the defense into offense. Giannis winning the 50-50 balls. Getting to the basket. Making the free throws. This team not giving up. Two guys off the bench being able to keep their team in the mix when they come in the game. And have no let up. See, one thing about this Suns team, man, uh, mm, why I say the Bucks won is, you know, you got to look at adversity. You got to look at adversity in the playoffs. The Bucks, you know, they were able to dominate Milwaukee, I mean, do- dominate Miami in round one, but that was a revenge tour. And it was that time, it was points, you know, in that series, they were down, they had to battle back. You look at, you know, the semifinals. You're going against the Nets, the team that everybody picked. They were down 3-2 at one point. They had to win game seven on the road in overtime. Adversity. You're playing Atlanta. You have to play two games with Giannis. And you win them. In the Eastern Conference Finals, adversity. You're down 0-2 to start the NBA Finals. You win the next four. They battled through adversity. Not only this playoff run, but they've been just, 
knocking at the door for the past two, three years, you know, having crazy losses in the playoffs. You lose to the Heat. You lose to the Raptors. You lose the year before that. They're just banging on the door, banging and banging and banging on the door. That it was time where they, man, what they did was amazing. They never gave up. They believed in themselves. And they just came out and they said, F it. F it. This is how it's going to be. I'm going and I'm going to get what's mine. And they did that. And when I look at the Phoenix Suns, you know, when I look at the Phoenix Suns, I say, okay, in the first round, you're down 2-1, but AD gets hurt. And so once AD gets hurt, because the reason why the Lakers were able to win those two games is because AD dominated. So once AD gets hurt, we all know the series is over. You go against the Nuggets. Yes, the Nuggets were able to uh, beat the Blazers, right? But you go against the Nuggets, you sweep them, and everybody knew what it was. I had them winning in five. Nobody thought the Nuggets was going to be able to beat the Suns. You go against the Clippers, they have no Kawhi. Everybody knew you were going to win. And so, and and I'm going to talk about this later. There's no such thing as an asterisk, but the Clippers, I mean, I'm sorry, the Suns never had to face adversity. Now, you were tied up 2-2 against the Clippers. But at no point in, you know, time were you down in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know? This team is relatively new together. As, as, especially when it comes to winning. You know, Book and Aiden, they've been together for, you know, about two, I think two years, two, three years. You know, Book is, you know, been in the league couple, you know, about five plus seasons, I believe. You know, Cameron Payne's been, you know, on some different teams. But they're young, especially when it comes to playoff experience. The only playoff experience that they had was bringing in Jay Crowder, bringing in Chris Paul. And both of those guys have negative playoff experiences. Not taking, you know, that's a problem because the Bucks had the same thing, but the Bucks unit's been together. They just added Holiday and P.J. Tucker and two guys that's going to fit wherever they go. And so I look at this, and the reason why, you know, I'm going to the offense say the Bucks won is because they did what they had to do. They didn't fold. The Suns folded. The Suns flat out and folded. And it sucks. It sucks because I was rooting for the Suns to win this. But all in all, you know, just to end off my thoughts on the finals before I get into some different topics, this was a great NBA finals. The matchups were amazing. You know, P.J. Tucker being able to guard multiple positions. You know, watching DeAndre Ayton, even though he had a bad game, play good, you know, the first couple games and taking matchups personal in his playoffs. Watching Giannis dominate, you know, and, you know, the way he did in his finals. And as I bring it up, you know, we can talk about, you know, the, what everybody averaged. Giannis averaged 35-13-5 if you want to round up two blocks in a steal. Shooting 61% from the field. Chris Milton gave you 24-6-5. Drew Hade gave you about 17-6-9 with two steals. You got 11 from Brooke. You got nine from Connaughton. You got about eight from Bobby Portis. You look at the Suns. Devin Booker averaged 28. He did shoot terrible from the three-point line, though. But you got 21 and eight, you know, from Chris Paul. You got 14 and 12 from eight. And you got 12 from Bridges. And you got 11 from Crowder. About eight from Johnson. Seven from Payne. Listen, this was the amazing NBA Finals. Again, one of the reasons why I loved it is there was no favorite. It was even. It could have went any other way, any way, and each team would have deserved it. Because 
majority of the games were close, except for those two quote unquote blog games. But you know, in those games, the loser had every opportunity to come back. The winner just took advantage. And so shout out to Milwaukee Bucks. Shout out to Mike Budenholders that just saved his job because if he lost, he was gone. And so he literally, even he no, he made it to the finals. If he lost, he was gone. He saved his job. Shout out to the city of Milwaukee. Haven't won a championship since 1971. It's crazy. This is, you know, it went in 50 years later. And it's funny. You look at the team. You look at it, you know, you got Giannis. You got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. No comparison. I'm just saying. I'm just saying two guys that put up some crazy numbers in the finals. But, yeah, man, shout out to the Bucks. You know, they're an NBA champion now. I want to talk about some other topics regarding, you know, some of the teams and the players. Now... Now I'm going to get into some things I was asked, you know, during the finals, after the finals, you know, some things I saw on Twitter. I'm going to try to order these in the best way possible so I can save the best for last. Actually, before I get into that, let's talk about, you know, the Phoenix Suns real quick. You know, outside of the finals, what's next for them? My thoughts on them. Do the same thing for the Bucks a little bit, but how much do I have to say about a team that, you know, just won a championship? But, you know, getting down to the Phoenix Suns, man, they had a great season. And I have the receipts. I predicted this after the, you know, Thunder lost in the bubble to the Rockets. You know, I'm on a weekly podcast show on Facebook, you know, and I created the topics. And one of the topics was, you know, I asked everybody, where do you think Chris Paul should go after the Thunder? And I said the Suns, and they all looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, did you not watch the bubble? They went 8-0. 8-0. The one thing that they're missing is a floor general. They called me crazy. I said, did y'all not see Devin Booker hit the game win a shot in front of the Clippers' two best players? Did you not see DeAndre Ayton? And if DeAndre Ayton didn't miss the first 25 games last year, they were possibly in the playing tournament. But again, people called me crazy. And I said, all right. I threw, I threw a lot of young teams out there. I threw the Pelicans out there as well. I forgot. The, I think I threw the Knicks out there last year as well. I threw a whole bunch of young teams because I knew Chris Paul. And, you know, because he just did it with the Thunder. That's why I was shocked that everybody was so confused on him going to the Suns. He just did it with the Thunder. And in my opinion, the Suns have a better roster. And I like their coach more. And so when I look at what he did going to that Suns team and, you know, his mindset, his mental, his leadership, the, the, you know, the ability to be that floor general, I think that helped the Suns team a lot. Now, if I got to talk specifically what happened in the NBA Finals, like Devin Booker, he was up and down. You know, he was up and down. Now, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, man, I feel so bad for Chris Paul. He, he might not never be here again. Why, why do you feel bad about – why do you feel bad for Chris Paul? Chris Paul should not be the most – likable person in the league he puts on a front that he doesn't say a lot of crazy things out his mouth that he's not a trash talker that he doesn't play dirty i'm not saying i'm not a chris paul fan but he does all those things and so when you have actions like that i'm not going to feel sympathy for you when you lose and you're one of the reasons why your team lost chris paul the tagline on him the veteran with the experience the point God disappeared the last three games. The last three games disappeared. You look at the stats, they look nice. But look at when Devin Booker's now on the court and you really need Chris Paul to take over and take every other shot. I mean, every shot and do 
things that a point God is supposed to do, and he does not do those things. That's why I don't feel no sympathy for Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been blowing leads, and his team's been blowing leads. Seeds with the Hornets, you know? So I don't feel bad for Chris Paul. Play better. Because we're not feeling bad for any other player that's 36 that had all this experience if they lose, you know? But I think they had a tremendous, you know, year. And shout out to my guy Tyler as well. I feel like we're the only two people outside of the Suns, you know, fans that predicted this team was going to be a top four seed in the entire NBA. And they were the second, you know. And I have the receipts just in case people don't believe me. Now, you know, the question is, what is this team going to look like next year? We're already seeing reports that the Lakers are interested, that the Knicks are interested. And even bringing back Chris Paul. The expectations, just like Miami, is so high for this team. And when I look at teams coming back healthier and possibly better next year, I do think that the Golden State Warriors are going to be a top three seed in the West. I think adding Jamal Murray, the Nuggets are going to be better. You know, you know, you have Aaron Gordon on this team. I think I don't even think I know the Lakers are going to be better. And you have the Jazz that's still there, and you have the Clippers that's still there, right? And so in my mind, you look at, you know, you know, if everybody's healthy, the Suns, in my opinion, could not have any home court advantage. It could be five through eight. And that's just reality. You know, and the expectations are high for this team, higher for the players going in next year. I mean, you're looking at Devin Booker. Right now, everybody was saying he was the best two guard in the game. That's what they were saying throughout this playoffs, which was crazy people were saying that. I think that, you know, some people might have been classifying James Harden as a point guard. I don't know. But right now, Devin Booker is looked at in a lot of people's eyes as a top 15 player in top three or four in his position. He's looking at a guy that everybody's saying, okay, he's all NBA caliber. You're looking at DeAndre Aiden and you're saying, okay, guy, playoff caliber. This guy needs to be playing like he's a top five center in the NBA, like how he was before game six. Bridges. My opinion, he's an all defensive guy. You know, you got Cam Johnson. You got a lot. You got a nice young core, but you got to think what are you going to do with Chris Paul, right? So, say Chris Paul is out of there. A young point guard that I like, I'm just going to throw a name out there. You know, one name, I'm not going to, you know, dive into this too much long, but one, you know, the name I thought there is Lonzo Ball. I like Lonzo with the Suns. I love Lonzo with the Suns. They, you know, had to move on from Chris Paul. I look at Lonzo, and he is the playmaker. What the Suns need, he can knock down a three ball. He's a he's a thousand times better on defense than Chris Paul. Chris Paul is not the same defender as he was. He be a good team defender might play you know some defense here and there, but you're getting you're getting a guy that's thirty six, not as fast, six foot to a guy that's twenty four, I believe. 6'6", stronger and faster. I think if somehow, some way, Chris Paul is not on the Suns, I think that would be a point guard, you know, for the Suns to target. And also, when I look at the Suns, what they need to add going to next year, they need to get more guys that can create their own shot at the rim. You know, you know, I'm looking at, you know, how they play. And I'm looking at Michael Bridges. Let me talk about him, but I want to see what his improvement. I want to see him being able to score with the ball in his hands more. Yes, I like the fact that you're arguably going to be the best three and D guy in the league someday. But I want you to trans, you know, transition from three and D to two way, because he's a great cutter. He's a great slasher. He knows how to cut. He tremendous cuts. But I just want to see him 
with the ball in his hands, taking more mid-ranges. You know, I think he needs to be averaging 15-plus points a game, honestly. You know, I'm looking at Cam Johnson. He needs to improve his game as well. You know, being able to get to his basket, being more than just a 3 and D guy. Like, you know, having a lot of 3 and D guys and two killers is nice, but when you go up against the Bucks, they had three killers. Drew, Middleton, Giannis. They had three of them. Surrounded by guys that can shoot and play defense. And when you look at the Suns, they had two. And look at DeAndre Ayton, and I think DeAndre Ayton has the potential to average 20 and 10 in this league. He just, in my opinion, he needs to get more touches, you know, in the post, more touches, you know, just more touches. I love the pick and roll actions, but to me, he's more than just a Rudy Gobert and Clint Capella that can only get their buckets off pick and roll and off, you know, off offensive rebounds. You can throw it to him in the post and be comfortable because I've seen him do his first two years. I've seen him, you know, switch to the face up, hit a mid range jumper. I've seen him hit a, you know, post hook. I've seen him do four or five different post ups in the game, post up moves in the game. Unlike a lot of these centers that get all this credit. I'm not sending shots, but I'm sending shots. So in my opinion, those young guys need to get better. And, you know, you look at free agency and you look at what James Jones was able to do this offseason, bringing in the right guys. In my opinion, I'm looking at this team. I need a guy that's going to attack the rim. I love, you know, we love, you know, spacing is key in today's league, which is fine. But you also need a guy outside of your main guys that can get his own basket anywhere on the court. I think that is key. When I look at teams, unless you have three killers, and, you know, even with three killers, sometimes you still need a guy that can get his own basket anywhere on the court. I think that's very important for a team. I'm not saying this guy has to score every, you know, 20 points every game, but I look at what a Jeff Green can do, you know, for the Nets. He can, you know, he can score 20 if you need him to. He can score 10 if you need him to. You know, I'm looking at a guy like, you know, uh, Bogdanovich or like Huber or like Cam Reddish for the Hawks, you know? Looking at a guy like D. Rose, you know, for the Knicks. You know, they can score depending on how many minutes they play in their role. They can give you buckets or they can fit in their role perfectly fine. I think that's, you know, something that the Suns need. And I just want to say real quick before I end this, you know, Suns talk. Shout out to Cameron Payne. He was probably the laughing stock for a while in the league, known as the handshake guy. But the fact that, and I was critical of him going into the playoffs. I'm like, I don't like their backup point guard situation. But he did have a career year, and what he did in the playoffs, I think, solidified himself, you know, as, as the backup guard for this team. I don't know if I'd have him as a starter, but I love the change of pace that he brings. I love the aggressiveness that Cameron Payne brings. And I think, you know, keep working, keep playing. He's going to be a great addition to the, you know, this Phoenix Suns team. And lastly, with the Suns, let's talk about Chris Paul's legacy. For everybody out there that threw Chris Paul in the top five point guards just because he reached the finals. He didn't win it yet. All he did was reach it. They threw him in there. Man, people jumped the gun. And I'm going to be talking about rankings a little bit later, but man, do people jump the gun. Chris Paul, in my opinion, is a top ten, not a top five point guard in NBA history. He's not. Because this is his first time getting to the finals. Right? I look at Magic Johnson. He won five rings in like 13 years. And I look at Oscar Robinson. In my opinion, Chris Paul hasn't passed him yet. Oscar won a ring. He has a ring. I'm looking at Isaiah Thomas. He has two rings. Been to the finals multiple times. Should, you know, had a three-peat, but we're not going to get into that here. He's not passed. He has not passed Isaiah Thomas yet. I look at Stephen Curry. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because Curry came in about five years after him, but Curry has already passed him on an all-time point guard chart. It is what it is. Curry has three rings. 
He's past you, bro. Then I'm looking at, you could throw Stockton there if you wanted to. Stockton been to the finals twice. You could throw, you could throw, um, whatchamacallit? What's it? Ah, you could throw Jason Kidd. I don't know why his name was, you know, I couldn't think of his name, but you throw Kidd in there. I want to be mad at that. Won a ring, been to the finals multiple times. You know, like Chris Paul, right? He goes to a team and makes them instantly better. But when he went to those teams, they went to finals. That's the difference. So, you know, I look at Chris Paul's legacy, man. You can't throw him in there at the top five just yet. He still has a lot to prove. Again, I feel no sympathy for the man because he's not a player that deserves it. You act the way you act. You play the way you play. I'm going to come a thousand percent real. He doesn't deserve sympathy. There's not a lot of players in the league that deserve sympathy when they're in certain situations. Even the top guys, they don't deserve no sympathy. So I don't understand why everybody's being so sympathetic to Chris Paul. Like he averaged fifty this series, and he had no hope. There was games where he doesn't show, he didn't show up. Games where he cost the team the game. And so I don't understand why people feel bad for Chris Paul. At the end of the day, Chris Paul, thirty six, he's about to ring chase. He has no choice. He has no choice. And to be honest, he needs to come up off some of that money. He like. You know, and I say, and I want all NBA players to get all their checks because at the end of the day, it's like, you are you know, and I hate to use the word owners in this situation, but the owner of the basketball team is are billionaires. They're billionaires. Make them figure out how the money works and how to pay you. Don't take a pay, because you're not, you're taking a pay cut. Oh, it's for the team. No, it's for them. It's saving them money. Make them pay over the taxes. Make them find ways to make it work. You get all yours. But when I look at Chris Paul making $40 million, I'm sorry. I'm not paying Chris Paul $40 million. I'm not. That's not. Like, and I understand all how the money works, you know, you know, guys. But Chris Paul, you know, and all the contracts are getting bigger. The cash space is getting bigger. But Chris Paul still isn't worth $40. With the cash space the way it is now and how much that's taken away from a team. Now, if teams had seven hundred million, Chris Paul could have forty million. But I don't know if I could pay a guy forty million to be at this stage. He's a third option. He's not a second option. Chris Paul is going to a team. He's a third option. It is what it is. Third option playmaker. That's what Chris Paul is. But who am I to judge when the Sixers are paying Tobias Harris to be a third option? Now, let's get into this. Let's talk about asterisk championships. In my opinion, there's no such thing. You have Lakers fans this year saying that the Suns, you know, their playoff run, it wasn't real. There's an asterisk whoever won his championships. Oh, AD, OAD. I look at them like you have the nerve to really come out your mouth and say, this whoever wins this finals is an asterisk to say this Suns, you know, playoff run was that, you know, asterisk playoff run. And these are Lakers fans talking. I think to myself, you weren't saying that last year. When you won the NBA Finals, when you went against the Portland Trailblazers, who was hurt and got hurt. When you went against the Rockets, Russell Westbrook playing on a terrible hamstring. You against the Heat, going Dragic is missing games. Bam out of bio, their starting point guard and starting center is missing games. There was no asterisk then, but when it affects you, not as an asterisk. Like, y'all fans got to stop being hypocrites. At the end of the day, like, there's injuries in every single playoff run. 
there's injuries in every single playoff run. Now, were they as, you know, like this year's, like, words can even describe how many injuries we saw from All-Star. Not even just, like, all players in general. Because I look at a guy, Dante DiVincenzo, shout out to Delaware, for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was their starting two guard the entire year. It forced them to go to a seven-man rotation in the finals. They missed him. And so even like role players that, you know, guys like that make a huge difference in the playoffs. But like you look at the amount of superstars that miss games from the Kyrie's to the Harden's to the um, Anthony Davis to the Joel Embiid's to the Trey Young's to the Giannis Adetokubos to the Chris Paul's. I can keep going because there's more to the Kawhi Leonard's to the Donovan Mitchell to the Mike Conley. To the Will Barton, you know, role player, but still another player. Like, amount of players that had to miss games because of injuries. This playoff run it was crazy. To the Jalen Brown, to the Kemba Walker. <laughs> like, names are still coming up in my mind. But regardless, there's no such thing as an asterisk. Now with the Bucks, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, let's start off with the Bucks. Now would the Bucks be the healthy Nets team? No. They were down 2-0, and it was just Kyrie and KD. Kyrie doesn't hurt. They still win that series in five, six maybe. If James Harden is playing, they lose in four. But we all know that. Injuries are part of the game. Now the Suns, they had, if everybody was healthy, the toughest road I think I might have ever seen to get to the NBA Finals. The Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers. Three teams, in my opinion, were top four teams in the Western Conference when they're all healthy. Now, would they have won every single series if AD was there and if Jamal Murray is there and if Kawhi Leonard is there? Probably not. But injuries happen every single year. And so I don't understand why teams are making excuses because if your team was not affected by injuries and they made it to the finals, you wouldn't be complaining. Again, the Lakers weren't complaining last year. They weren't complaining in 2010 when Kendrick Perkins messed up his knee. Like, a lot of fans want to complain if their team did not get affected. I look at Sixers, right? Oh, you know, if Ben doesn't get hurt, oh, what could happen? Injuries could happen. You know, it's part of the game. They say, oh, the Raptors championship is an asterisk. They beat a healthy Milwaukee. They beat a healthy Milwaukee. They beat the Sixers. If Milwaukee was that championship, are the Milwaukee fans calling it an asterisk? Sixers fans, they we, we don't even bring up the word asterisk that year because of the PST. Oh, my God, that shot that Kawhi Leonard had against us. The point I'm trying to make is, man, there's no such thing as asterisks. Every single team that's in the playoffs deals with some adversity. The Bucks dealt with injuries. The Suns, Chris Paul missed games because of COVID. Two games in the Western Conference. Finals. It was Paul George versus Devin Booker and role players versus role players. Win those games, Paul George. You know? So it's just like, I can't sit up here and say that asterisks are in the NBA championship. Lakers, one game one, you're up 3-0. Boy, things, how things would change. So stop making excuses because your team, it didn't work out for them. Give the Bucks their credit. Give the Suns their credit. Both those teams bat- battled through adversity. And they were at the top of the mountain. Now, probably the last thing I want to talk about. Where does Giannis rank? 
there's a two part to this. Where does he rank currently? Where does he rank all time as far as his position? So I'll talk about all time as far as his position, right? I'll say this, man. You know, people were doing the same thing last year with Anthony Davis when he won, right? Oh, AD is top five power forward of all time. Oh, AD is just this much better than Giannis. And now AD's hurt the majority of the year. And all you hear people say is, man, that's why I like Giannis more than AD. Man, Giannis is better than AD. That's all you hear throughout the entire year. And it's all you hear in the playoff now. But these were the same people that was just bragging about how dominant Anthony Davis is. Blows my mind. It blows my mind. And so a lot of people like to jump to the gun after somebody wins the finals of where they should be ranked, where they should be ranked after one. Because we all know your your opinion is going to change next year, whether they win or lose. And so I'll say this about AD and Giannis. As far as talent, they're both top five when it comes to power forward as far as talents. Both top five. Two-way guys. I love Dirk. Not a two-way guy. You look at Malone, system player. Talented doesn't compare to AD and Giannis. I don't love Malone. Did I just say I love Malone? Take that back. I don't like Malone at all. Terrible person. But system player, talent-wise, doesn't compare to them two. I like Charles. I love Charles. One of my top five players of all time as far as favorites. AD and Giannis just a little bit better. KG. I love you, KG. Those guys might be a little bit more talented on offense or they take the initiative to be more dominant on offense. KG had all, every single opportunity. He was just a team player. So I'll say that to say, and I'm leaving out one guy in Tim Duncan. They're, they're not passing Timmy. It's going to be hard to pass Timmy. Timmy won five championships. Five out of six. But nobody likes to talk about that. Has MVPs, has finals MVPs, has all the numbers. Was just, he wasn't the talker. He had the talent. Mr. Fundamental. And so when I look at talent-wise, you can throw them both in the top four, top five, but it's a guy, number one, that's going to be hard for them to pass up. When I look at, you know, ranking them, you know, no talent, just saying, all right, who's your top five power forwards? Don't know if I could put AD in there. Just, you know, I say I'll slide him into my top ten. But when I look at Giannis, I'm looking at his resume. Yes, you know, I, I don't – championships matter, but – they're not always the deciding factor for me because there's guys that have championships. <clears throat> Scottie Pippen, that's not even top five by far this position. And I could argue he's not even top eight. Maybe top ten, if I felt like it. But, but and I look at a person's overall resume, right? And I look at Giannis, and at 26, he has two MVPs, a finals MVP, a defensive player of the year, all-star, you know, MVP, multiple-time all-star, multiple-time all-NBA, multiple-time all-defense, most improved player, all-rookie. NBA champion finals MVP. When I look at that, and I look at all his numbers he's putting up, and I look at what he's projected to be, Gian- Giannis is already a top five power forward. Some people already put him at number two. I say that's tricky. I'd say he's easily top four. Easily top four. I have to sleep on if I want to already put him top three. And I don't know if I could put him there just yet. But I look at Giannis' numbers, and I talk about Giannis. I think. For the next five to six years, you're going to see Giannis average like 30, 13, about four or five assists. If you want to round up two blocks, two steals, you're going to see him average some ridiculous numbers. But if he doesn't win another championship, you ask yourself that. 
because a lot of people go off championships. So if he doesn't reach another finals, and this is the only finals he has, shout out to Derek, he only has one finals trophy, one finals MVP, where are you going to put Giannis? Ask yourself that. You know? And it's just, you know, it's funny. It's funny how rings really just define everybody, but it's hard. It's hard ranking Giannis all time at his position. He's easily top five. As far as talent, you could say he's top four, top three. But right now, I'd say, you know, split decision, I'd put him at. i go Timmy. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I can't answer this question. i, I go Tim Duncan. I'd probably go. I'm going Tim, Tim Duncan, KG, Dirk, Giannis, Malone, sadly. I really, I'm saying Barkley. I'm being biased, though. But I think soon he's going to be able to, you know, Dirk. Derek and KG, you can flip-flop, but I think those three guys, they have the finals ring, they have the numbers, they have all the accolades. I think those three guys are still ahead of Giannis right now. But he can easily pass those two guys. And if he wants to pass Tim Duncan, and the numbers have to be there. Like, with Timmy D, like, y'all just as talented, so the accolades matter. That's the only time for me accolades matter when y'all just as talented, and that sometimes is the easiest deciding factor. All right, now wrapping it up, this is probably going to be the last topic I touch on. You know, I talked about where does Giannis rank, you know, overall, all-time power forward. But let's talk about where Giannis ranks today in the NBA. Is he the number one power forward in the game? Okay, we can go ahead and give him that. Where do you rank Giannis, though? And I'm going to put this on social media. Where do you rank Giannis as far as every single player who's the best in the league? Where is Giannis at on that list for you? Now, for me, I don't. It, it's tough for me to just go ahead and give him the mantle. I'll be honest; it's really tough for me. And it's funny how you know, and this works in both ways. It's just funny how people's criteria changes depending on who the player is. And it's also funny how rings just changes everybody's opinion. Let's start off. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant won two straight championships, two straight finals MVPs. People were still hesitant to give him the mantle, even though he beat the person who was wearing the crown twice, back to back. They didn't want to give it to him because they didn't like the way he got the rings. But rings mean everything to everybody. So when everybody does their... List, they usually say, oh, well, he didn't win a championship this time the third. Kevin Durant is one of the most talented players to ever play in the game. But they didn't give him the man after he won two straight championships, two straight finals MVPs. Kawhi Leonard, 2019, he wins the championship, wins the finals MVP. They're hesitant to give him the mantle, right? Second straight, I mean, not straight, but a two-time finals MVP. Two-time champion. Entering his prime. And they're hesitant to give him the mantle. Not even hesitant. They don't even want to give it. Most people don't even want to give him the mantle. Giannis wins and everybody just like, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. Huh? And, see, I don't know if y'all been paying attention, but the NBA, it's been their agenda to find the new face for the past four to five years. They have been trying so hard to find the new face of the league. 
That's why they're, if you've been paying, they just been pushing Giannis and pushing Giannis. I understand the first MVP. Let's give it to him. But the one in 2019-2020, LeBron was the obvious winner there. They gave him Defensive Player of the Year. Anthony Davis was the obvious winner there. And he went out bad, and the league was, oh, my God, we didn't get to see Giannis versus LeBron. Giannis versus LeBron because that's what they wanted because they wanted to give Giannis the mantle. That is their goal. That is their objective with Giannis. Giannis, they want him to be the new face. And so now that Giannis has won the championship and won the finals MVP because that is majority people's criteria, everybody's going to say he he's the guy. He's the number one guy in the league. I'm sorry. At best, I'm giving him number three. At best, I'm giving him number three. They say, oh, well, he beat Kevin Durant. Did he beat Kevin Durant? Did Giannis beat Kevin Durant? Or did the Bucks beat Kevin Durant? Do you want to? Let's talk about it. Giannis had the goons with him. I always say this. There's no excuses, but when you go in the war, you need your soldiers. Kevin Durant almost beat them by himself. Everybody knew who was the best player in that series. It was Kevin Durant. But now, Giannis is the best. And so let's pull up these stats. In that series... Right, one seven. Giannis averaged 31, 13. But you got 25 from Middleton. Played all seven games. You have four guys in double figures. Played all seven games. I look at Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant averaged about 36, 10, and 5. Playing 43 minutes. James Harden. Said so he played four games, really, really played three. And averaged 11 points or 30% from the field and 19% from the three-point line because he couldn't move because he was playing with a grade two hamstring injury. I don't even know why he was out there. I look at Jeff Green missing the majority of the series. I look at Kyrie Irving only playing three games. It's like, 1v1, Kevin Durant won the matchup. Giannis was scared to guard him. And we all know if the Nets is winning, the Bucks aren't. And I'm not an asterisk type of guy, but you got to prove it for me. Kevin Durant proved it. I test multiple times. Been to the finals four times, played majority in three of them, though. LeBron. Why is everybody so quick to write LeBron off? And the reason why, and it's crazy, right? Because the reason, and I wasn't always a LeBron guy. Because LeBron did something foul to my Sixers his first time with the Cavs. That made me not like LeBron. But the reason why I go hard for these players, and I'm going hard for LeBron, it's like the disrespect is totally unnecessary. Because when everybody was doing their MVP rankings, they had this guy in their top three. At 36 years old, year 18, averaging 25-7-7 like he does. Keeping this Lakers team afloat when AD is down. He was he was going to Listen, he was probably going to win MVP. No, not probably. He was winning MVP if he did not get hurt. That's a fact. That's a fact. He was winning MVP. The Lakers were going to continue to be a top three seed. 
everybody had them him in their top two when it comes to MVP votings. He gets hurt. Everybody asks, oh, LeBron's never going to be the same. Oh, LeBron's never going to be the same. Can you stop it? And like, and they, they took out what he said from the shot where he's saying he's never going to be 100% again. If you actually go and listen to it instead of just looking at a headline and making your own assumptions and listen to what somebody actually says, he came out and said, when you have your first NBA practice, you're never 100% again. That's what he said. He said, now can I get back to 99.9%? You damn right. Had a groin injury. If you know what a groin injury does to you, it's a terrible injury. Next year, did he not come back at 99.9%? Should have won MVP, average 10 assists, number one seed in the West, won the championship? You don't think he's going to do the same thing this year? You're fooling yourself. He has not passed LeBron. I love Giannis. I love Giannis because when I look at him, I look at a guy that wants to be great. He doesn't care about, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. You still can't stop me from what I'm dominant at. And, and you know, and people was, was reposting the thing when the old James Harden saying, you know, uh, all he do, you know, is run and jump. It doesn't take much skill. It doesn't. But I'll say this. Dominance is a skill for me. And so when I look at Giannis and what he's doing and, okay, maybe it's not as skillful as being able to go one-on-one against anybody and get to wherever you need to go and, you know, be able to average double-digit assists, be able to average, you know, a triple-double. But when I say dominance is a skill and the reason why I go hard for guys like Shaq and, and guys like Wilt is because how many players do we see seven-foot, strong, almighty, and can't do three post moves in a row? Athletic, can't do three, four post moves in a row. I look at Rudy Gobert. Everybody's hyping Rudy Gobert up to be this great center. He plays defense. Is There is no reason why Rudy Gobert is not averaging at least 18 if he's that athletic and that tall. But he can't do four post moves in a row. Same thing with Clint Capella. Same thing with, I could look at a guy like Steven Adams. Everybody says he's the strongest guy in the NBA. Can't do four post moves up in a row. And someone like Giannis and what he's doing and comparing it to a guy like Ben who is built just like Giannis, is strong just like Giannis, but does not do it consistently every single night. That dominance and consistency is a skill. So I'll give Giannis his credit on that. And we, once he unlocks that third eye, that, that third dimension to his game, that jump shot, it's a wrap. It is a wrap. It is a wrap. But he hasn't done it yet. And for me, moving forward, if you look at a guy, okay, everybody under 30, who's number one? It's him. But... If I'm looking at who is the best player, now face and best player, we all know are two different things. So let me see that. Let me say that. Giannis is probably going to be their face, even though you're still going to have the Currys in the world. You're still going to have the Kendrick and LeBron's the big, you know, names. And if LeBron is still, oh, hold on. Let me take that back. LeBron is still the face because LeBron is the GOAT and he's still playing, still in his prime on the biggest market team in the league. So let's not get it confused. They, he's still the ambassador for the NBA. Let's not get that confused. But their, their quote-unquote face, that's Giannis. And they want Giannis to get the man who's the best player in the league. But to anybody that knows basketball and not just doing what they did with AD last year and throwing AD, he went from top 15 to top 10 to top 5 in four months. Giannis, for me, I, I give him a number three. I give him number three. I say he edges out Kawhi. 
and Kawhi is going to miss the majority of the year next year. So that takes out, you know, the argument. I give him number three. He has to prove to me why he's better than Kevin Durant, LeBron James. I give him his credit for taking his team to the finals and being successful and do what he had to do to get there. But next year is the real test. Next year is the real test. Go up head-to-head with Kevin Durant again. Let's see what happens. And I play devil's advocate, right, with Kevin Durant. People say, why would Kevin Durant get the medal? His rings don't count. Everybody likes to throw out rings as in rings is the the final answer or how you judge a player. For me, it's the case sometimes, but I don't try to make it the case all the time. I'm looking at the eye test. I'm looking at if I just start a franchise, who am I going with? Giannis is great, man. I just don't know right now. And it's tough because I saw something on Twitter today that was like, man, if any other player, you know, if any other player, LeBron, AD, no, really LeBron, Kawhi, and Kevin Durant, those three guys for me were the top three. They have a 50-point closeout game in NBA Finals. They're automatically the guy, and you're probably right. And a little bit of this might be biased. I'll say this. I think LeBron and KD are really battling, are really, those for me are the one and two. Giannis is making his way up, man. And by the end of this year, could he be number one? Absolutely. 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 I just don't know if I can get in the mantle just yet. And I'm not, and I'll say this. I'm not too mad at people that want to say he's the best. Because again, you look at the numbers he averaged in the finals. You look at that last game in the finals. You look at his resume. It's amazing. And so I, I'm, I'm going to come on and say I'm not mad at anybody that wants to put him ahead of LeBron or put him ahead of Kevin Durant. I'm not mad at that at all. And like I said earlier, I think I look at Giannis and for the next five to six years, minimum, he's going to give you 30, 13, 5, 2, and 2 if you want to average up. With a jumper, I think he's easy to average 35 with his eyes closed, and he doesn't even play 40-plus minutes. It's just hard for me given his – like, people understand, like, given the mantle and saying who's the best in the league, that's just not a snap your fingers. That's the easy decision to make. Because you look at a guy, right, and I look at Steph Curry and his dominance. Steph Curry was a two-time back-to-back MVP, back-to-back finals champion, three finals in four years. Was he ever really considered by the masses? The real basketball fans, not casuals? Because the casuals, that's the face. But the best player? Was he really, was Steph Curry really ever considered the best player in the NBA during that span? Top five? Yes. Best, best at his position? Yes. But were, at any point in time, were you choosing Steph Curry over LeBron or Kevin Durant? Ask yourself that. And so I feel like right now, Giannis is, you know, he's past Steph for me in that opinion. But he's in that same thing where it's just like, People are still in the edge, just like me. Do I want to put him above LeBron and Kevin Durant? And I think right now Giannis is on the path. And I say this because it's hard. I'm going back and forth because, again, I'm not mad if you want to give him a man. I just don't know if I can do it just yet. I do say definitely he's top three. But the path he's on, when it's all said and done, who knows where he's going to be ranked all the time. Because his numbers are going to be monstrous. His accolades are already monstrous. Like his accolades, like if you if you take away right, if you take away stats, you just look at the accolades. I'm talking about you know trophies, 
all defensive teams, all NBA teams, all stars. You look at that compared to other top guys, and he already has that. He already has it. Same thing when I look at a guy like LeBron. Look at a guy like, you know, uh, Kevin Durant in between, but they have everything. Now it's just like building upon that resume. So right now, Giannis is still building upon that resume. He's 26. No, Kevin Durant's in his 30s. LeBron's about to be 37 this season. The obvious answer is, oh, give it to Giannis. And I'll say this, though. I'll say this. I'm I'm playing a lot of devil's advocate to what I see, to what I'm saying. Because what I see, I see a lot of people switching their sides. I'll say this, though. As far as the team to beat, I'll always say the team to beat is the previous champion. I'll always say, you know, the player to beat is that finals MVP. Now, do I believe he's the best player? No, but he's the one at the top of the mountain right now. And so I'm not mad if that's a lot of people's argument because, I mean, I'm not, I tried to say the same thing with Kawhi, you know, Kevin Durant, but no, they, they're back and forth. <laughs> like, they weren't trying to give it to KD when the two straight. They weren't trying to give it to Kawhi, but they want to give it to Giannis now. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. But, man. Turn this off. Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of the greatest players we've ever seen. I don't know. Well, we already got a player like that in the league now. He just doesn't play like it. His attitude and his mindset really defines who Giannis is because, like I said, dominance is a skill set. There are a lot of people in the league that are tall, strong, and athletic, but they can't do three moves. They can't be dominant. Giannis is dominant. And I love it. I love a guy that wants – I love Giannis, how he wants to be great. I love, you know, players, athletes that want to be better than their expectations. Giannis, yeah, we know you're great. I'm going to be the greatest. It's a difference. And he's humble. One thing I love about Giannis, to wrap it up, he don't like nobody. Like, this generation, there's a lot of people that they want to be all buddy-buddy. Now, I'll say this, right? Kevin Durant and LeBron is mutual respect there. But one thing about them on the court, and they still got the old school this in them, they, they want to tear each other's heads off. And I'll say that about the guys that are kind of 30-plus. And you can see it with some of the young guys. But Giannis, if you're not his teammate, he, he really doesn't like you. Really doesn't like you. And I love that. I love that mindset. Me, you know, I don't like people when we're going against each other. Now, I say this. If I know you, we're all cool, but on the field or in the circle or on the court, it's no love. And that's the mindset Giannis has, and I love it. Now, to really wrap up this episode, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Congratulations to Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm going to leave you guys with a few questions. And let me know this. You know, my social media links are down below. Do you think Giannis is the best player in the NBA currently? Where do you rank Giannis all-time at his position? What do you think the future is for the Suns and the Bucks? Who is the team to beat for next season? That's my five questions I want to leave to you guys. Let me know your thoughts, you know, on my social media links, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook Twitch, it don't matter. I'll be going live this uh, weekend. But let me know what y'all think. Thank you all for tapping into this episode. Peace. Thank you all for listening. That's a wrap for this episode. I really appreciate the support and all the love. All the links to the different platforms I'm on is in the description down below. 
My Instagram, just in case you just want to put it in now, is sportsw underscore Chris. Sportsw underscore Chris. My Twitter is the same thing, sportsw underscore Chris. Make sure you follow me on my social so we can interact. I post a lot of content every single day. I'm asking, you know, all my followers questions every single day, trying to hear your input, you know, trying to just interact, trying to talk about sports. But again, thank you all for the support, man. I love it. I appreciate it. I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't getting all the support. Make sure you follow me so we can interact and maybe make an episode together. Have a good rest of the day and peace out.